Sunrise and broken melanin, eyes dilated at that See these hot flashes, deep thoughts come every day I've never been passive compared to common folks I've never felt the same But in retrospect, maybe I'm just average Just a normal guy with an exceptional taste of rapping And sitting back at Starbucks staring out the window at the traffic Feeling rather ecstatic I wonder if there's more for me Sometimes I feel so hopeless, tell me y'all, do you agree? Would you be a friend to bring around the negative energy? There's two people on this earth Hey guys, welcome back to Block Channel. We're back for episode 43. Hopefully my audio in this episode sounds a lot better. Got the mic right in my face, so I'm coming at you strong. Uh, I'm hanging out today with Dr. Corey Petty, uh, and also we're here with our special guest, Josh Cincinnati of Ohio, the third. Uh, full name is just Josh Cincinnati. I add on the extra stuff for a sec because he's a really fancy man. Uh, so, so we have Josh here from the Zcash Foundation. Which, if you guys don't know, we've been, you know, Zuko was one of our very early guests uh, when the show was starting off. And I myself have been a big fan of Zcash ever since the blockchain launched in October of 2016, I believe. Um, And so, you know, they've been they've been chugging along. They've been doing a lot of really great things. And now they've got, you know, got a good cadence going. The the development of the community is moving along. So figured it was a great time to get an update on what's new with Zcash, what's hot, what's what's kind of like the general focus of that community, and just trying to get an understanding of what's being built. So no one no one better than Josh Cincinnati, who's just, he's a hilarious gentleman on the interwebs. Um, he's got great quips, uh, very poetic gentleman. I would definitely recommend you follow him on Twitter, and maybe I'll throw that in the show notes. But uh, I'll let him tell us more about himself. Um, but first, Petty, can you uh, give your introduction to the audience, please? All right. Corey Petty here, as always, part of Block Channel. Got the best guest on Block Channel, so I got to be here to talk to him. Okay, excellent. Well, as he said, best guest. Uh, and so the best guest we got here today is Josh Cincinnati. So, Josh, um, do us a favor. Um, you can be short and sweet, or you can be elongated and eloquent. Um, but just give us give us an idea on your background. Where are you from? Uh, how you ended up in crypto? What's your What's your weird, funky story? Are you a cypherpunk? Are you not a cypherpunk? Um, what's your favorite color? Let us know. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I will try to cover as much as possible. Although I will, I will, um, I'll thank you for, for suggesting that my quips are, are quite good. The, the, the dirty secret to all of them is that I spend like an hour behind each tweet. So I fear that this interview isn't going to be quite as witty as my, my normal <laughs> online output. Uh, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, uh, so a little bit of my, my background, um, uh, I grew up in, in Virginia uh, and wound up going to, to school uh, school here, uh, and then I went to uh, I went to California California for business school. Uh, graduated from business school in 2009. Pro tip: don't ever do that. It's a horrible idea to graduate from business school in 2009. Um, but I've been a hobbyist programmer uh, like all my life, um, and I had a math and politics background from undergrad. Uh, but then wanted to pursue, you know, sort of uh, startup stuff. That, that's what was interesting me uh, back then, uh, and still does to a certain degree. Um, but I, uh, I wound up going into a traditional job because, as mentioned, 2009 was really the pit. Um, and I ended up doing some digital media work for a while um, in the Washington Post, uh, and then tried my hand at a startup. Um, and this all, this background will all 
kind of makes sense in a minute. But the startup that I worked on, you know, failed as as they often do. It was like an Android mobile app startup, um, and I was I was working on it in Texas. And when I was in Texas, I met um, a, a gentleman by the name of Matthew Willis, who uh, was actually one of the earliest contributors to, to Bitcoin Talk, um, like in 2010, uh, 2011. Uh, you can actually, what's really cool about him in particular is that um, he, I think, started the thread that led to Namecoin um, in Bitcoin Talk. If, if you look at his mm. handle, it's uh, Apomato. Um, but anyway, fascinating guy, really, really generous guy. I ended up hiring him as an engineer at the startup. Um, and he was, I, I'd heard of Bitcoin before then, uh, but hadn't really spent um, too much time uh, diving into it because, of course, I think like most people who had heard of it in 2011 and 2012, I thought it was nonsense. You know, I didn't think it could work and I thought it was a little crazy. Um, but because uh, I had the fortune of meeting him, um, uh, he basically, even though I hired him, he really became kind of a mentor to me. Uh, in terms of uh, both piquing my interest into cryptocurrency and, and Bitcoin uh, at the time, um, and also really giving me uh, a great solid foundation for how it all worked. And it, as soon as that happened, I just I kind of became obsessed, I think, as, as with many people who fall into the cryptocurrency rabbit hole. Um, so I, you know, played with uh, Coinbase had a nascent API at the time. I played with that a little bit. Um, I ended up having to, uh, you know, the startup failed, as I mentioned several times, and uh, I left um, left the startup to uh, sort of recuperate from another unrelated health problem. Um, in that process, I just became dedicated to the idea of being involved in cryptocurrency, and uh, and I wanted to be somewhat more technical than I was uh, before. I missed a lot of the hobbyist or programming that I had done before. So I found um, I was very lucky to find a role at Blockcipher, uh, which is a Bitcoin and Ethereum API company. Um, based out of Redwood City, uh, and I moved out uh, out there in 2015 and became deeply involved um, in the cryptocurrency community. Uh, really, uh, I, I'm, I'm really proud of the work that I did while I was there because I think I introduced and helped lots of developers um, get uh, familiar with um, with cryptocurrency through BlockCypher's APIs. Um, and uh, and yeah, I, I really I had a lovely time. I had a so after after Blockcipher, I um, they were sort of shifting gears to be more enterprise focused, and I wanted to stay on the developer advocacy side. Uh, so I went to Lyft for uh, a year to be a developer advocate. There. What a what a transition though to move from Lyft yeah. for a little bit. Really, like, hey man, what, what's well, all these car things? Well, <laughs> well, I think I think the the you know the the, the rationale there is that uh, you know at the, at the time at Blockcipher, I joined right during the the beginning of the long winter for Bitcoin. And oh, yeah, yeah, right, right. That was, a good, that was the best time to get in, though. Get it, in it was. Well, because you, you're really there for the technology. You know, you're there, really there because you were interested in what was possible uh, with all this stuff. Um, I remember I, making fun of you, too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's also, that's fair. We're making fun of you for leaving. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. I was like, yeah, oh, God. You, I was like, yeah. you'll be back. And guess what? You came back. Yeah, no, I did. I did. I, well, I like to believe that the you know, immense rise in cryptocurrency market cap from uh, like 2016 to now was a direct result of me deciding to leave leave the industry for a short sure that time. That was the only catalyst as well. That, that was it. That was the only causation there. Um, but no, I, I, I still obviously... Go on, guys. Let's pump it. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And then I think as soon as I jump back in full time, you know, I'm just I'm depressing things a little bit. But um, but no, it, it 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 was something you're right that I just could never stay away from completely. And uh, I also had the fortune of meeting some of the Zcash people and also being a huge Zcash fan um, early on. Um, and uh, and they needed part time help while I was at Lyft. So I joined uh, the foundation as their first part time employee, their first hire to just manage manage the organization, try to build build it out. Um, and uh, from there, uh, hired an operations director. You're to build a very powerful culture, I have a feeling. I know. I call I, them as people, right? I'm, I'm not wrong here. Your beard will be a very powerful component of this culture. Yeah, I, I really take the, the uh, parable of Samson to heart when I get <laughs> a lot of power from the hair. Um, but... But no, I I, um, I I loved I did I really really loved the technology behind Zcash and uh, what was also really cool about the foundation um, is uh, and, and I don't know do you, do you think uh, I'm sure that Zuko uh, you know explained a bit of this but uh, the founders reward uh, do you think it's, it it serves to explain a little bit about how the founders reward in Z, it works in Zcash again or uh, say. Yeah, I'd say the listenership has changed quite a bit since Suko's been on there. Wouldn't mind giving people okay. a refresher yeah, if they're yeah, new to it. Give them, give them, yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, there's alternate, there's various different mechanisms you can use to fund a project. And, and Zcash took a very creative one, which in hindsight, I think was pretty solid for what, yeah. what they had available at the time. So, yeah, go give them a briefer. For sure. Uh, yeah. So, effectively, um, you know, there are a lot of different ways, as you mentioned, to fund a new cryptocurrency development. Um, I think that now that uh, doing what Bitcoin did is kind of impossible now uh, in a fair way because as soon as a coin becomes uh, really, really popular, the early developers who may have been working on it won't be focusing their time on whatever mining mechanism to develop it. And so anyway, I think that that's, that's very difficult to do. So the way that Zcash cut the Gordian knot of still providing incentive for Early developers and um, early uh, early contributors uh, to to Zcash was by creating this thing called the Founders Reward. Uh, normally, uh, when you have a uh, a block reward and a proof of work based currency, uh, the full block reward goes to a miner. In the case of Zcash, 20% of that reward for the first four years of mining um, goes to this Founders Reward pool. Uh, and that and that equip is, is so because Zcash has the same reward schedule as Bitcoin. Um, the first four years is basically half of the total Zcash supply that will ever exist, uh, which means that 20% of half is 10% of of all the supply that will ever exist. A lot of people always just throw 20% and just assume that that's the full. Supply, and you guys, you guys' website right has a like the Zcash company website too has yeah. a good breakdown of all this and little graphs yeah. and stuff. Yes, the Zcash company website, and uh, there's a great link that goes in detail about how uh, that founder's award is distributed, how that 10% of all the Zcash uh, in circulation is distributed. In the, uh, in the foundation case, uh, we have been pledged from the founder's award roughly about 1.4% of all Zcash in circulation. And what I like was truly enamored by is the fact that we are a, a nonprofit um, that is really only interested in furthering privacy technology and payments online. And the Zcash protocol is, you know, one of the best ways to do it. Um, but I'm adamant uh, about supporting uh, other cryptocurrencies 
uh, with the technologies that we're funding in our grant programs and the wide variety of uh, other well, things. Well, this is a, a pretty important role you've taken on there from what it seems, man, the basically yeah. being the, the steward of the future open source that direction of the Zcast development base. It's very, you know, you could say Lyft gave you the Lyft. <laughs> and um, yeah. like, I'm yeah. really so, so let's, let's, let's dig into now like it's sort of like the, the philosophy and kind of the core reasoning behind like the foundation. Give us give us like a yeah. high level overview of kind of what the general function is. Sure. Uh, so I, I actually the way that I view the foundation um, and and kind of the way that I view the foundation and the company and and this is really my my personal view. I'm not sure if it applies broadly to you know the board of the foundation or or uh, any other employees. But this is just the beard will perspective. Beard will. <laughs> I'll have to see if they believe that, actually. But, uh, but no, I, I, um, my personal view is that uh, um, oh, the company and the foundation are really meant to be more as bootstrapping mechanisms for different stages of, of ecosystem growth. Uh, one thing that I, um, and, and you know, obviously the Bitcoin community can be a very divisive, very difficult place. Um, but one thing that I'm... Uh, quite impressed by in the, in the Bitcoin community, as I think many observers are in the cryptocurrency, uh, is, is really just how um, dispersed and decentralized a lot of the development and contributions to the ecosystem are uh, in, in Bitcoin. And I actually, for one, think it's uh, that it's kind of a gold standard in that regard. And I think Ethereum is, is getting there, too, um, in a lot of ways. Uh, but but um, Bitcoin to me is, is still like the gold standard. And so my view of what the company and uh, eventually the foundation, uh, what, what, I, what I really want, uh, want it to be, what I'm focused on is the idea of creating uh, and bootstrapping uh, a community that will eventually be that, that decentralized, I think. That decentralized and, and also encourages other cryptocurrencies to uh, engage and build privacy-preserving technology into their stacks. A lot of them are doing it independently, which is great. But I, I want us to be a bit of a catalyst. So, if you could like graph out just purely on the Zcash protocol side, if you could graph out like responsibility over over the protocol and direction, like I think the company is is still much more involved than the foundation at this point. Um, but there will be a time when we're sort of equals in the amount of contributions that we're giving to the protocol. And the fact that we're going to be contributing that much uh, individually uh, also, uh, I hope, means that later on there will be other ecosystem participants that wind up contributing. And then eventually the protocol uh, is basically not in anyone's control, not in the company's control, not in the foundation's control. That's like a long view goal. But um but I would, yeah, I, would I was originally, I was originally about to say like it's just it sounds like kind of the general purpose of the Ethereum Foundation but on a slightly longer time scale, right? So you're trying to build up yeah. this ecosystem, this culture, and eventually let it become, you know, like like self organized and like more autonomous as the it becomes more liquid also as well. And also as the price of Zcash grows, your influence your capability also goes well in your utility. Yeah, yeah. Although there is, so that's that's absolutely right. Our, our, ours, ours does. Although there is like a good case to be made that we shouldn't necessarily be like hoarding a lot of our uh, our portion of the founders' reward. I think there's a lot of um, 
I, I mean, we have, we've, we were obviously starting to spend money when it comes to our grant program in terms of the hiring that I'm doing in terms of, um, the, uh, we're probably going to develop a tech, tech team, uh, to actually start working on protocol related things, uh, on the Zcash protocol side. And that's, that's going to cost money as well. Um, but you know, truth be told, uh, we've been somewhat conservative with the amount of money that we're spending relative to definitely relative to the Ethereum Foundation. Now, of course, they're dealing with a magnitude more money than we are, um, just in, in market in market value. But um, but I, I I think that uh, you know there's an argument to be made that that we should be um, spending even more. Uh, but I also want to be cognizant of the fact that uh, I don't really feel like spending money is the problem in cryptocurrency. I think spending it smartly is right now, like I, finding the right ways to, to do so. Yes. I have this, I have this narrative that I tell myself in regards to Zcash in particular, and that is mm-hmm. before, before blockchains or cryptocurrencies kind of took hold, you had this, this community of people focusing on privacy technology, mostly, you know, mm-hmm. cryptographers. And they were more often than not, heavily in the academic setting and then blockchains took hold and there came along this technology that allowed them to find a way to incentivize the development of applied cryptography for privacy Mm -hmm. applications and they're like holy shit and then this thing became zcash and so you have this network of people and kind of drive to push the privacy driven cryptography mm-hmm. or like mm-hmm. the research and this type of cryptography that gives that gives real privacy features in decentralized networks and mm-hmm. th- now you have ways and kind of foundations in how to fund real research and rapid mm-hmm. research for this type of technology how does the ethereum foundation kind of fit into that mold because i feel like now you have this this platform to do so Mm-hmm. How do you use that money, or is that is that even the right narrative to tell to tell yourself? Yeah, well, and and, uh, and and you meant like how does the Zcash Foundation fit yeah. into that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, in in my view, that I, I actually think that's pretty accurate, especially when you consider uh, where Zcash came from originally, which was uh, you know there's a zero coin paper that then evolved into zero cash, that then evolved into the Zcash company, but even uh, many of the people in, in, that are involved with the company, either advisors or employees, have uh, a very broad academic background, mm-hmm. and it really, it really was a bunch of researchers who were working on bleeding edge cryptography um, and bleeding edge ver- verifiable computing and zero knowledge work that decided uh, that they could they could make something, um, you know, they could make something truly applicable and create an incentive structure. Uh, that would allow them to to fund fund that research. I think that the foundation is a natural extension of that, but it's also a bridge from making this, uh, you know, just a purview of a, a research project, uh, which is, you know, it's it's really expanded far beyond that as a result of the the great work of the Zcash company. But the foundation is a way to extend it even further uh, and and to create uh, more opportunities for people beyond just uh, traditional academic researchers. Uh, into into the hands of uh, of people that could use this this technology the most. Um, so so in in our case, that I think that what that's really going to look like tactically is that a, a lot of the technology that uh, is going to be developed through either the company or the foundation, we're going to 
work to be stewards of in an open source manner so that anyone can take advantage of it above and beyond just uh, you know protocol development and management. I mean, there's there's a whole there's, there's a whole ecosystem that needs to be built out outside of the actual underlying, you know, zero knowledge protocol that goes along with like how this stuff actually works. I mean, you need you need a lot of infrastructure that has nothing to do with the actual proofs that cryptography is pushing towards, right? Mm-hmm. Do y'all do y'all fund that type of stuff too? In terms of like you know, building wallets, building websites, oh, building yeah. all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely, 100%. So actually, and, and this is a bit of a shameless plug, although I don't know how shameless it is because nope. we just want to give away money. Um, no, can't do it. <laughs> uh, no, 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 please okay. do it. Yeah, it's just, <laughs> it's a charity, by all means, plug, plug away. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, thank you. So, so uh, yeah, we, we are actively funding those things. Um, and, uh, you know, Zcash is it's obviously our priority, but even for uh, if people want to do audits of, of other cryptocurrencies or if there are features uh, related to other uh, cryptocurrencies that involve privacy in, in any way, shape, or form, we would want to fund those too, potentially. Um, so we have a grant program that we we ran um, in Q4 of 2017, so two quarters ago, um, and we're still kind of waiting on the results of, of, of a lot of it. Um, but uh, we funded, I think, 10 projects. Um, yeah, 10 projects out of like, 29 people who applied. Uh, and that quarter, we were giving away $125,000. Uh, we were really lucky to get uh, matching funds from an organization called the Blockchain Institute um, to do a, a bigger grant program this quarter, um, for which proposals are due uh, on May May 18th. Um, but the, uh, the grant program supports a wide variety of, of, of different kinds of development. Last last quarter we did have, uh, we funded mobile wallet develop, uh, development through uh, a group called Garda, making Garda, Garda wallet. Um, they unfortunately, and, and, uh, and some of your listeners may or may not know, uh, the current implementation of ZK Snarks, which is a, a critical piece of infrastructure to enable truly private payments in Zcash, is just, uh, it's way too computationally uh, intensive uh, and memory intensive to have on mobile devices. Uh, and so there were a lot of workaround solutions proposed, um, which I, I don't know in, in too much detail, but none of them were really, uh, really workable uh, for mobile devices. But the good news is that there is a completely uh, revamped implementation that will be part of a hard fork upgrade in Zcash later in the year, uh, known as the sapling upgrade. And that, that upgrade is going to include a, a new uh, implementation of ZK Starks that uses a new pairing curve and a new library uh, that, that also leverages a, a ceremony, a new ceremony um, that's required as part of the ZK Starks uh, that had 88, 87 or 88 participants instead of the original six. Um, and that's, that's a pretty impressive uh, gain over this. I like how I like how yeah. uh, I like how a portion of and which is also kind of smart from a governance perspective that like when the community looks to hard fork, they're looking to hard fork for uh, very obvious like technical upgrades, which obviously improves the extendability of the Zcash platform. That's right. But also shows that each participant of that power of Tau is like adherent to whatever fork will come of that, uh, which is an interesting like look on how like governance, unique governance it is behind Zcash. And 
I don't know. Sorry, sorry. I just wanted to throw that in there. No, 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 no. no. Well, what's, what's interesting about it is that it, as long as every participant empowers a cow, and we we kept it open, you know, for a couple of months, um, and anyone could could participate. Um, mm-hmm. Now, obviously, there's a little bit of a learning curve to actually uh, downloading and running running the software that might not be easy for um, for everybody. But if you participated in powers of Tau to the best of your ability and you're and you know that you got rid of the randomness that you generated as part of that ceremony, you can be assured that um, that the zk the zk snark uh, you know uh, implementation you know, for the hard fork uh, will will actually not you know it won't be backdoored uh, uh, according to, to your your ability. Um, and and I I don't know it was pretty I, I got to participate in the ceremony too and it was really fun uh, in addition to. Uh, in addition to providing another another participant um, and and another chain uh, a link in the chain of of of, uh, of security there, um, but it was it, it's it's this this upgrade is, is it's not just about you know and the participants that that's definitely a huge a huge improvement to uh, the the first the first version to the Sprout uh, Sprout and Zcash, but but in addition to that, it's just much much more uh, efficient. And memory reduction is is uh, incredibly uh, it's incredibly impressive. It's gone from like a few gigabytes of free RAM necessary down to like 50 megs or 100 megs or something. It's just like uh, like order of magnitude improvement. So I think that mobile wallets will actually be uh, will be much more um, uh, plausible once that hard fork comes, and that's something that we definitely want to fund uh, as well. Um, but you, but yeah, you're, you're right uh, that there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of other auxiliary infrastructure that uh, I think that the foundation has uh, not just uh, an opportunity but a duty to to fund uh, if if the community wants it and if there are people out there working working on these projects. Uh, so, sorry, Stephen. Uh, oh yeah, no, I was just gonna say. Okay, so, and there's basically there's two hard forks coming up, right? There's the overwinter one, and then there's yep. sapling. Can we just yep. Brief rundown between yeah. what's coming with overwinter and then quickly with with kind of sapling, and, and yeah. what does that what does that general timeline look like? Sure, sure. So uh, overwinter is really more of like a prep hard fork um, for mm-hmm. sapling. Um, it's I think a, a lot of it's about kind of like the Byzantium Constantinople fork with Ethereum was broken. Yeah, that's, that's, okay. good, that's a good that's a good metaphor um, uh, or good analogy rather. Yeah, yeah, that, that makes sense. So. Um, in, in, in a sense, like uh, Overwinter, I think introduces a new uh, transaction format, uh, and it and it uh, effectively gets the network ready for Sapling. Um, but Sapling is is really going to be a very big deal uh, because uh, it eliminates a lot of the current hurdles for um, generating uh, shielded uh, shielded transactions. That is, transactions that are uh, between shielded addresses on Zcash. So uh, just to take a step back and um, just mention this, functionally, uh, the Zcash network is is very similar to the way Bitcoin works um, when you're only using what are called transparent addresses on, on Zcash. It's very similar to addresses that you're familiar with on, on Bitcoin. Um, but there's this concept of shielded addresses uh, where if you send uh, either uh, if you send any ZEC or ZEC uh, from a transparent address to a shielded address, uh, no one can know, no one will know um, 
who, the, who it sends to, they'll see the, uh, some amount from a transparent UTXO set going into Shielded, but they won't know whether it goes to one person or another or how many different Shielded outputs. And then from Shielded to Shielded address, it's completely, um, completely uh, opaque. No one, no one knows other than um, the receiver of, uh, of those funds. And they can also like, uh, show, like, a, give people a viewing key so that they can see inputs into a particular, uh, or uh, they can see money coming into a particular address. Uh, the problem, so these, these shielded addresses are amazing, um, and that's the real innovation behind the Zcash protocol is that these, uh, these transactions are possible. And I think arguably it provides theoretically the most possible privacy in any production cryptocurrency uh, today, but it uses newer cryptography to do it, mm. which, you know, a lot of people have um, aversions toward. Uh, so, and, and there are different trade-offs there when you compare it to other privacy coins uh, who've done, I, I think many of whom have done fantastic jobs uh, uh, building out um, their, uh, their technologies and their ecosystems. Um, but the, the problem with these shielded addresses, uh, as, uh, as I mentioned earlier, is that they're just super computationally intensive, and you really can't engage in private transactions from a mobile device. You, and in fact, the, the best way to do it right now is through the command line on a Linux computer, which automatically makes the usage of shielded transactions extremely niche. Uh, and I don't remember, there's, I think there was a study uh, done where um, you could look at the percentage of transactions in Zcash that were shielded, uh, like shielded to, shielded to shielded in particular, because those are the most mm -hmm. private. Um, and it was like on a single single order percentages. Um, and I, I think that, you know, that that's unfortunate because that's where, um, you know, that's where the real innovation is. Um, and the big deal behind sapling, just to bring it back, uh, is that uh, because of these computational improvements, uh, these efficiency gains and, uh, in memory and, and computation. Uh, so what previously took many, many gigabytes of free memory and 40 seconds of, of computing time on a reasonably powered desktop CPU uh, will now take like 50 to 100 megabytes of memory and uh, something like seven seconds. Oh, that's a nice, uh, that's a nice yeah. efficiency improvement, definitely. There's yeah. this, and there's that's... this weird, there's this weird double-edged sword associated with this. And so, like, on one mm -hmm. hand, like, in my opinion, zero knowledge proofs, which is what underlies the privacy mechanism of Z of Zcash, mm -hmm. is is the future on how these networks can can really obfuscate all data between like sending value from person to a person or many other applications that zero knowledge proofs enable. They are the future and hard forks like sapling enable more and more computationally available devices to then engage in these types of things. Like you said, mm -hmm. smartphones can yeah. now use these types of things as opposed right. to a Linux machine of a reasonably powered CPU desktop doing it only which is which limits the amount of people who can actually do these things right so yep. like that movement is incredibly important and will be the future of this type of technology but every single time you do one of these hard forks it mm -hmm. is like any type of work towards infrastructure in trying to make branches out into other networks 
is completely yeah. cut off. Like, for instance, the mm-hmm. um, zero-knowledge proof primitives that were included into Ethereum for mm-hmm. the for the curve that Zcash currently uses are now basically worthless. And, and and so, like, those types of bridges that we can build between network and network can no longer work because mm-hmm. the technology moves forward so fast. So the question mm-hmm. is, maybe not even a question, but, like, kind of a... Mm-hmm like prognostication of the future, will there be a time where like we can start to build bridges and then rely on that use case instead of like just assuming there's going to be an upgrade and we can't use it anymore? Yeah, so I think that's a fair, fair question. Although I would, I would, um, um, I, I would just offer this potential correction to uh, the idea that those primitives would be completely useless because sapling will still support them and support, there's still going to be uh, all these funds that are effectively, um, uh, you know, locked okay. in yeah. shield address. So, so there, there's, there will be a way to migrate those funds to these new primitives on the sapling, on the sapling side. And so I don't think, I think that there probably will be, though, to be honest, like based off of uh, what I know about how the upgrade cycle works with Zcash. I do think that there will be some point in the future where there will be a future future hard fork where those initial uh, primitives are in fact truly rendered useless. Mm-hmm. And then your question remains, which is uh, how can someone build um, you know, those bridges uh, knowing that that, that that evolution is gonna happen. Um, and I, you know, I, I will say that I think Ethereum has done quite a good job internally uh, being very uh, very upgrade focused um, and being able to do that at least within within the Ethereum community in general um, and with with their forks because uh, you know there are a wide variety of uh, of hard forks that change uh, I mean most of them change I know like uh, you know like gas costs or add new uh, new fundamental fundamental primitives or prepare for uh, proof of stake or include these new Z, you know, their ZK snark um, primitives that were previously used in Zcash. Um, but um, I, I will say that I think that there's there's always this tenuous uh, link between uh, keeping uh, keeping people uh, who were uh, earlier on the network who have less of a, a desire or need to upgrade, keeping them involved in the ecosystem, mm-hmm. but then also pushing the network forward to adopt uh, new technology that will improve uh, broader adoption. Um, and it's almost it's almost like you know going going to the hospital and seeing uh, a bunch of computers still running Windows XP, and oh, you wonder like. Yeah, I mean, it's a scary thought. <laughs> well, and welcome they, to, like, most critical infrastructure. Yeah, yeah, there's, like, nuclear power plants running, like, Windows ME somewhere, I'm there sure. There still are, which, I guarantee yeah, it. Yeah, and, and that, um, I mean, in some sense, like, you, can, you kind of understand why that happens um, because of the need to have this, like, long view for whatever... Uh, product or service that they're maintaining, um, and the, the, you know, in cryptocurrency. I think uh, I think it's it's really a balance. Like you know, there's there's a huge spectrum on this. I think Bitcoin is on one side of the spectrum, and Ethereum is on another. Uh, where in Bitcoin's case, you can take like a Bitcoin version five or six point releases ago, boot it up, 
and you obviously won't be able to uh, fiddle with any SegWit addresses, but your node will still come to consensus and you can still interact with all of your old old addresses or all your you know pay to pubkey um, pay to pubkey addresses if you have them. Um, meanwhile, on the Ethereum side, uh, you have just this rapid evolution and this uh, really, really fast pace of development, which um, which really pushes the Ethereum community forward, but it also, I think, potentially leaves, uh, it, could, it could, it hasn't yet necessarily, at least that, that I've seen, but it could leave people behind. And I, and I think that, you know, Zcash is striving um, to be somewhat in the middle uh, and still having some degree of backwards compatibility and having a contract with uh, people that are running older versions of the software, but also still trying to push these upgrades that are going to have uh, a huge, huge positive effect for, for usability um, for, for everyone using these, these zero-knowledge proofs. Um, like I said earlier, like these, like, but what Zcash is doing um, and these upgrades that's happening on the, on, the, on the Zcash protocol is brand new cryptography. And it, mm-hmm. it, it incentivizes people to build these things that will enable the complete private future. And mm-hmm. I think without networks like Zcash, you, that wouldn't exist. So it's incredibly important that that movement happens and that you have an incentivization mechanism to push the development of these things. And for people to like spend time outside of the, I mean, I'm an academic myself, or at least I was. And there's not a lot of like real drive, at least monetarily, to develop things that work in the real world. And mm-hmm. these types of networks enable that type of thing, which really pushes people to spend a lot of time trying to push the technology as fast as they can in a yeah. workable manner. And I think mm-hmm. that's something that's really important. So I, I don't, I don't want to like say it's bad that we upgrade because we leave people in the past because you need these types of things to enable something that's going to make the future really, really, really awesome. Yeah. Yeah. But I, but I totally, I totally agree that it's, it's critical to have at least, at least now, I mean, you never really had that incentive before and, you know, still stuff on the margins. I mean, there are people that were, uh, you know, just truly mission focused about building, building this technology. Um, but now you have, you have this, broader financial incentive to do so. Um, I will say that on, uh, you know, on the foundation side, we're, we're definitely much more mission driven than necessarily um, trying to like, we, we don't care about the size of our, uh, of our uh, Zcash endowment only insofar as it enables us to help fund people to build this stuff, you know, um, and fund, fund projects that will bring, bring this, this, these classes of technologies forward. Uh, so I yeah I'm um, I mean it's really it's really exciting I don't think any of this stuff like I, I couldn't have imagined that there would be such a strong incentive for any of this being built you know ten years ago um, and it's and it's remarkable that it is and not to mention you know like the the zero knowledge proof stuff can really extend beyond uh, just privacy of uh, financial uh, financial data you know it can it can extend to all sorts of really cool homomorphic encryption things. Uh, uh, also, like compression, compression of blockchains by proving that you verified all these transactions without actually having to verify them. That's sort of pie in the sky stuff later on, uh, potentially. But it's just a, it's a very, very, very fruitful line of, of research, um, and it's it's really exciting that 
uh, I, you know, I'm really grateful that the Zcash uh, founders reward and the protocol was structured in such a way that this founders reward uh, is benefiting uh, a nonprofit uh, that can work toward these goals as well. And I guess one of the most important questions to ask here uh, at this point is since you've come along to the Zcash Foundation and kind of corralling, you know, the efforts to get the developer movement turning and kind of building a community, what, what's something you've learned uh, along along the way um, that maybe we can contribute back to the audience that will be beneficial for them? Yeah, uh, well, I think uh, to ne never, never underestimate um, how uh, vehemently people will debate their opinions in the uh, in the cryptocurrency ecosystem. <laughs> uh, I, I would say that that's a really great life life lesson. Um, it, I mean, it, it's above and beyond that. Um, to be honest, I think I think we actually have a lot to learn um, as a foundation because so much uh, so much of what we've been you know, doing has really been sort of on the back burner. Uh, you know, it's just been setting up these grant programs. We have a, a conference coming up, a privacy-focused conference coming up in late June um, in Montreal called Econ Zero, and it's the first time we've run this conference. We have this big governance experiment that we're running where we're going to have uh, hopefully around 200 members of the community voting on proposals and uh, also trying to vote uh, and acc acclimate new um, board members uh, onto, the, uh, onto the foundation. Um, I don't get so, tickets for this bad boy. Oh yeah, uh, if you just uh, there's a, actually like a link to apply. Um, so if you give go, me, give me, go ahead and give us give us a little plug. Go ahead because I'm going to yeah yeah. You go to z z dot cash dot foundation slash zcon, uh, and that's z c o n. Um, you will see a little form form there to apply. Um, and uh, we we do have scholarships available for for students um, and researchers. How about um, some media sponsors. Uh, well, we we have <laughs> we have limited limited availability there. But if you wanna if you wanna pay your own way, that would be okay. <laughs> I, 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 uh, I I think part of it. So I don't know if, if y'all want to. Um, and I actually didn't even have the uh, the pleasure of going, unfortunately. But I just knew from. Uh, uh, Secondhand experience that that scaling Bitcoin early on in like 2015 was a really like fantastic technical practitioner oriented conference, and um, we want to we want to kind of build on that great model that they that they pioneered and try to do the same thing, but with a focus on privacy. So the conference is going to be um, Zcash focused for day one, uh, applications uh, privacy applications more broadly day two, and then governance focused and day three. Um, and, uh, it's, it's going to be, I mean, the conference itself is an experiment for us, uh, but the whole governance process that we're engaging in is also an experiment. Um, and so a lot of, um, I think a lot of what, what's happening is going to be, uh, a learning, a very much a learning experience for us. It's also, I mean, it's strange to be in this position where, uh, you know, the foundation has been uh, really gifted this this amazing endowment to pursue this work, but there's still the Zcash company working on the protocol. And one of one of I think the most challenging um, pieces uh, in 
in that structure or what will be the most challenging is how responsibilities and development gets delineated, uh, especially once the foundation becomes uh, more set up and more of like a peer to the company as opposed to, um, you know, the, right now we're, we're kind of still uh, backstage and, and working, working on all these pieces, but not, not really on the same uh, on the same level as the company. And when that, and when that happens, you know, um, it'll be, I think it's just going to be really, really fascinating to see how it develops. And I think that everyone on the foundation side, uh, will be learning, learning a lot on the way. Um, so yeah, it'll be, it'll be pretty interesting. Well, good. Well, good. I think it's interesting too, because I just submitted my application to ZCon Thank zero and I, apparently I'm waiting for a follow-up <laughs> from Antonia at ZCon.foundation. <laughs> <laughs> I love that you did it live on the podcast. That's awesome. Mackie wastes no I, time. No time. Like, this is how the game works, okay? So <laughs> game level, by the way, is like choose practitioner, academic researcher, community governance member, non-technical influencer. I, there was no all of the above, LOL button. So I just, <laughs> um, it's really whatever day of the week it feels like. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And that is, that is actually the way it works. We should have added that to that because that is how <laughs> like, it works. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm like, if that was an option, that'd be great. <laughs> 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 uh, but uh, that was so awesome. Thanks, thanks so much for for all the detail, Josh. We're yeah. um, a perfect guest to have on here to get us filled out, especially since we're trying to build a community. Hopefully, we can help play our part in doing so. Yeah, uh, well, I really appreciate being on, on. Thank you so much for having me, uh, Corey and Steven. This was a lot of fun. Podcast content, you know, it's important that you know we educate users in interesting ways. So I'm always looking out for that. I haven't come across too much, but I'm building a pipeline, so we'll see how this goes. Uh, but yeah, but yeah, and like as as more uh, you know, cool people pop up in the Tcash community that are worth hollering at, steer in my direction. Let's uh, let's talk yeah. to them. Uh, let's yeah. try thing whole together, you know. Absolutely, hundred percent. All right. Well, thank you very much, Josh. Um, yeah. You know, please come back in the future again and like let us know after maybe after these next two hard fours go by. Let us like you know fill us in on some more lessons learned. You know, maybe you need governance perspective as you pick up things from the foundation. And um, again, thank you for your time. Yeah, most definitely. Take care, y'all. This episode of Block Channel was brought to you by MakerDAO. MakerDAO and their team are the creators of the DAI stablecoin. The DAI stablecoin allows developers and investors to collateralize their Ethereum in return for a non-fluctuating, stable asset, the DAI, that they can then use to interact as a medium of exchange for payments or for developers to create more legacy-like UI UXs for their consumers who are used to spending assets that are non-fluctuating in value. To learn more about the MakerDAO and their project, The Die, check out our links in the show notes below. What a sunny day, the palm trees sway. Back and forth, back and back and forth, back and back and forth. What a lovely day, I'm catching planes. Back and forth, back and back and forth. Back and back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Back and forth.